Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room, formerly known as the Locker Room app, guys. Spotify Green Room is a live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Start or join ongoing conversations. Watch games together. React to the biggest news, rumors, and games. And, of course, I host a weekly show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room. The Bears Talk Underground presents Club 34-7. Be sure and join me. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join into the group. Follow me to be notified when my room goes live. And, of course, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, is when Club 34-7 uh, hits the air. So be sure to join in on the fun, guys. You don't want to miss it. And be sure to follow me on the uh, on the app so that you'll know anytime that I go live because uh, we'll be doing watch parties during the preseason. We'll be doing uh, knee-jerk reactions during halftime uh, during the season and things like that. Lots to do. This app opens up so many possibilities for interaction between me and you, my loyal audience. So be sure and download the Spotify Green Room app wherever you get your apps. <laughs> What's up, guys? Well, that's more like it, wasn't it? I mean, I know it was against the Lions, and we were expecting uh, to win despite uh, Nagy with his uh, stupid game playing with the whole we're uh, keeping the decision on play caller uh, internal uh, for now. Uh, like that was going to give some kind of competitive advantage uh, to us uh, at all, uh, hanging on until Saturday that, uh, you know, Justin Fields was going to be the starting quarterback uh, on Sunday, even though most of us just assumed it would be anyway, considering that just, you know, follow the injury report, Justin Fields is full go, Andy Dalton is limited. So that already tips the scale in Justin Fields' favor. And after today's game, I don't think there should be much of a discussion who our starting quarterback should be going forward. If Nagy tries to convince the world that next Sunday against the Raiders that Andy Dalton is the better way to go, they might as well just tell him to pack up his office before he gets back from Vegas next week. That's ridiculous. So, Because we saw what we wanted to see from Justin Fields today. And why? Because that safely, you know, that closely guarded secret about who was calling the plays was Bill Lazor. And the offense had multiple fronts, multiple looks. Uh, we, the, the, the Justin Fields' calling card in college was his deep ball accuracy. So we set it up so that Justin Fields would have time to throw the ball deep. And he was a surgeon out there today, throwing the deep balls to Mooney and Robinson uh, and such. It was a beautiful thing to watch. And um, we got bear up and bear downs and uh, a lot more bear ups than bear downs. Even I know that was the case last week because I put it I put all the bear downs on one guy 
uh, last week. And uh, I don't think anyone had any complaints about that. Didn't get any negative feedback on putting it all on Nagy uh, last week. But this is in, in a good way. We have more bear ups then bear downs because we came away with the victory over the Lions 24 to 14 to even our record at two and two before heading out on the road to Vegas last week uh, against the uh, Raiders. So uh, let's go ahead and get into this. It is the week four review episode, the bear up and bear down for week number four on the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the It was something that caused anxiety for every Bear fan going into this football game. As like, even after learning that Justin Fields was going to be the starter against Detroit this afternoon, still a closely guarded secret as to who our play caller uh, would be uh, on Sunday, even though that mystery seemed to solve itself uh, after the very first drive of the football game because we did nothing, nothing that resembled anything like what we did on offense against the Browns last week. Uh, we went out there showing multiple tight end uh, looks. We did boots. We did uh, under center. Eight out of 12 plays on that first drive, Justin Fields was under center as opposed to being in the shotgun uh, for the stupid RPOs and, and things like that uh, all the time. Uh, and we moved the football 12 plays, 75 yards for the touchdown to go up 7 nothing immediately on the Lions. Whereas I was, uh, you know, re referring to uh, the keys to the game. It's like, uh, just look for the Lions to try to do something to get us on our heels early, to get that crowd that's got to be super pissed about Cleveland's game uh, last week. Any any reason for them to pounce on us and for us to lose the crowd early on would have been my primary focus if I was Dan Campbell, the head coach uh, of the Detroit Lions, was to try to do something early to get the Bears on their heels and instead our, D, our offense trudged right down the field. Uh, uh, amazing catch uh, by Darnell Mooney, a one-hander uh, that he scooped in and, and managed to, to retain possession of, uh, you know, we just looked fantastic on that opening drive and with David Montgomery finishing it off uh, with a touchdown run. Uh, the defense did give us something to worry about. We'll talk more about that uh, tomorrow on the uh, deep dive uh, review. Actually, we'll talk about it a little bit later on because uh, – all of our bear downs are defensive, both of them. I have two. Actually, I have one and an honorable mention. That's We'll, we'll put it to that. So it was uh, obviously a far more enjoyable experience. We had the lead the entire football game from the point that we took the lead 7 nothing all the way through uh, to the end. Uh, we were able to, uh, to come away with the win 24-14. Uh, over the Lions, and uh, I, I did shoot a message over to our friend Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit, and I told him, and I and I believe this to be true, if the Lions can ever forget, figure out how to put a 60-minute game together, they're going to be a team to deal with, even with their current roster, because the second half was far tougher than the first half was. Um, they couldn't get out of their own way in the first half, essentially. three. They had three drives in the first half, all three, were in the red zone, came away with zero points. Two turnovers and a turnover on downs. Now, that's a credit to the Bears as well, but it's also the Lions gonna Lion kind of thing at the same time. So uh, it was uh, had to be a discouraging day for Lions fans to watch their offense from 20 to 20 just wreak havoc on the Bears 
and then get down to the red zone and come away with nothing on three drives in the first half. So, but in the second half, they scored two touchdowns. Uh, they finally got in the red zone and finished one. Uh, and then the second one was uh, reminiscent of uh, the Rams game as far as how easy it was for the Lions to score uh, before we finally uh, cinched up and, and shut them down and, and coasted to a 24 to 14 win. So, Let's go ahead and and get to the awards on the bear up side. Let's see. We have seven awards that we want to give for the bear ups. Uh, Number one bear up. I want to give a bear up to Robert Quinn. Um, Put the end, put the end to the second, third, third, third drive uh, with a, uh, with uh, it's, I don't think he got credit for a sack. Maybe he did. I don't know. But he's the one that brushed uh, Goff's arm just as he was getting ready to throw, knock the ball loose, forced the fumble. Uh, Akeem Hicks recovers it. Oh, excuse me, not Akeem Hicks. Uh, Khalil Mack, excuse me, picks up the fumble, runs it uh, towards, uh, runs it away, and then uh, pitches it to Eddie Jackson. And here's my favorite thing about being a Chicago Bear fan is that there were no flags thrown on the play, and yet somehow the Bears ended up getting flagged for an illegal forward pass on that play. So leave it to the Bears to get flagged to, or to get penalized on a play where no flags were thrown. If there were, there was no graphic saying that a flag was thrown. It was after the uh, fumble recovery and the return and because he pitched it to Eddie Jackson, who just got uh, shoestring tackled by a receiver that was trailing the play. Good heads up play by him. But, uh, you know, uh, we it's we we ended up I don't I think we only ended up losing maybe 15 yards on that play. But the, the point being that nobody threw a flag, not one referee threw a flag on the play, but somehow it got reviewed and the Bears were penalized, or more specifically, Khalil Mack was penalized for an illegal forward pass. And uh, basically from the point of his pass, it was like a five-yard penalty uh, or something like that. So Because Eddie Jackson didn't make it far from where he got the ball from Khalil Mack, so it wasn't like we lost a 60-yard return or a touchdown uh, or anything like that. But, you know, it's like leave it to the Bears to have a penalty applied on a play where there were no, uh, were no flags thrown. So, but uh, bear up to Robert Quinn for being the uh, the spark, if you will, like going for the keys to the game. That's exactly what I was talking about. A play like that uh, really set things in motion. Uh, the first turnover in in the in the first quarter was a was just a, one of those things, and it was just like this is the luck of the Lions. Jared Goff is in the shotgun. He's walking up to the line of scrimmage. The center snaps the ball. Like, he's walking up to make adjustments at the line of scrimmage. The center inexplicably just snaps the ball. It bounces off Jared Goff's chest into Bilal Nichols' hands. So I don't know if that's an interception or if it's a – I think it's a fumble recovery. I don't. I'm, I haven't checked the, the stats to see how that was officially scored. But either way, the Bears end up with the football uh, on that play. Just skipped it right off Jared Goff's chest right into Bilal Nichols' hands First down Bears, when they're like at the, literally at like at the Chicago eight-yard line, they're going in, they're inside the 10-yard line, and boom, that's how the first drive ended. The second one was turnover on downs, and then the third one was the Robert Quinn uh, strip sack. But bear up to Robert Quinn um, for all of the, um, for all the heat that he took last year, for the, you know, the money that we gave him, not to mention just the overall excitement 
of the Bears being able to sign him to add him as the option outs other on the opposite end of of Khalil Mack. Now we're getting what we paid for. Uh, he's got four and a half sacks in four games. Khalil Mack has four sacks, and this is what we were looking for. To you can't double Khalil because you got Robert Quinn on the other side. You can't double Robert Quinn because you got Khalil Mack on the other side. And if you know, then you got in the middle. You got Eddie Goldman. You got Bilal Nichols. You got Akeem Hicks, uh, and so on. Uh, in the middle as well. So you got to pick your poison and hope that your linemen are up to the job. And so far uh, we're getting after the quarterback and uh, you know, Robert Quinn is a big reason why the bears have been more successful at doing that thus far this year. Speaking of getting after the quarterback bear up to Travis Gibson um, was playing a bit for uh, Khalil Mack today. And I don't know how the, how the bears like to rotate uh, our outside linebackers or our edge rushers, whatever you want to call them. But he got a sack today. I don't know if that's number one for his career, but he got one today. A really great effort. He, it was kind of like you thought he was going to miss out on it because he got Goff, and Goff slips away. And as Goff is slipping away, he gets him by the foot, and that's what, bring Goff, what brings Goff down. Uh, so a good effort uh, on his part by uh, not giving up when, uh, when Goff slid away from him after the initial uh, hit and uh, you know he gets his sack and he also forced a fumble later on in the game. He just literally just slapped the ball out of uh, Jared Goff's hands as he came around uh, the edge. Unfortunately, uh, Goff recovered that one, but uh, nonetheless, this is what we were looking for when uh, when Ryan Pace traded up to get him. We gave up a 2021 fourth round pick to trade into the fifth round to get Travis Gibson. So now we're getting a, a decent return. On our investment, he had a good day uh, coming off the bench today for uh, for Khalil and Robert Quinn. So bear up to Travis Gibson and uh, bear up to Justin Fields. I mean, how could you not? Uh, he had an outstanding day throwing the football, and it was a game where uh, you know bear up to to Bill Lazor. Uh, thanks to him, we had a lot of balance with our offense today. Uh, we had 180 something yards. Uh, running the football, Montgomery had 106, and he barely played into the fourth quarter before he hurt his knee. Uh, more on that later. I'm I'm crossing my fingers that that is not a serious injury. Now I, I think that like early prognosis, no one thinks it's an ACL or an MCL tear uh, or anything like that. It was kind of scary because the Fox said that the uh, or Gus Johnson, who called the game today, said that the injury was quote unquote gruesome. Uh, so gruesome, in fact, that they weren't going to show it to us. So it might have been one of those where he turned his whole knee 90 degrees in the wrong direction, and, um, you know, that's what took him out. I mean, it looked bad from the beginning. He was writhing on the floor. He pulled his helmet off the whole nine yards. And and I was telling a buddy of mine uh, after the game, it's like whenever you see somebody writhing on the floor like that, I immediately start, start to look for limbs pointed in the wrong direction. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm looking like a Dak Prescott – injury last year where he, you know, twisted his ankle and it was pointing, uh, you know, in the wrong, you know, to the, his, his toes were pointing to his, to, to his, to his back as opposed to pointing out front and, uh, and things like that. And, uh, David Montgomery appeared to be whole or as God intended, he was just in a, a lot of pain. Uh, he did walk off the field under his own power and, uh, was being helped by like, you know, ho- holding the, his, uh, uh, arms over the the tr- over the shoulder of the trainer, like you know they were help, helping him prop up. They didn't cart him to the uh, 
to the locker room as far as I know. But, um, you know, Bill Lazor did mix it up. Uh, and and Justin Fields' uh, in, or excuse me, injuries, his statistics aren't sexy by any stretch of the imagination. But they were, you know, really, really efficient. Let me pull it up uh, real quick. Stats and Justin Fields was... 11 for 17. So we only attempted 17 passes, 209 yards passing, no touchdowns, unfortunately, and the one tipped ball uh, interception. So as good as his quarterback rating ended up being, imagine what it could have been, A, without that stupid tip interception, and B, if he'd have been able to throw a touchdown pass uh, today. But 11 for 17, 209 yards, and... um, you know, so let's just say, you know, 209 divided by 11, that's well over 10 yards a reception uh, for the ones that he completed. And, you know, that's what we saw Justin Fields doing. Actually, it's the last thing we would have seen him do last week because we simply did not have the time with five-man protections and a world-class pass rush coming after us. But Justin Fields had time to throw the ball today. He found his receivers downfield. Uh, some really nice-looking deep crossing routes to, to Mooney uh, and to Robinson, and then just in some insane thread-the-needle throws, like the one that he made to Mooney before the last touchdown that um, they did like the, the quick, quick snap thing, and Damian Williams finished it off with a four-yard run um, on the end of that drive. But the throw that he made to Mooney there on the sidelines was insane, just insane. And then he made a throw... It was uh, basically an insignificant kind of uh, throw, but it was a third and five, or insignificant play, I should say. Third and five to um, Allen Robinson on the sideline, and the guy was absolutely draped all over Robinson. Ended up getting flagged for uh, pass interference, and I was telling my dad, or my buddy, I should say, that um, you know either Robinson was going to make that catch, which he did, or the ball was going to be lodged in his rib cage because that's how pinpoint and how hard Fields put that ball in there. I mean, he threw it to a spot. He back-shouldered it uh, to Allen Robinson to where he could have kind of basket-caught it, catched it, caught it, catched it, whatever, with his outside arm, his left arm in this instance, um, which is basically what he did. Uh, but, I mean, it was such a great throw uh, from uh, – from Justin. Uh, he had an outstanding game, despite the fact that his, his stats aren't going to blow anybody's hair back. But, um, you know, 11 for 17, 209 yards. Great job from the, uh, the rookie, his first win as a starter uh, for, and the first of many, I'm hoping, <laughs> and I think we'll get uh, from him. Because the way that he played today, the throws that he made, when it was only his second, is only his second start, uh, it's just the, if he continues to do this throughout the season, his talent level and what he brings to the offense is going to attract talent to Chicago. You know, I think we talked about it last week with, uh, with Jeff Lloyd before the Browns game that, um, you know, with what he can do and what he's capable of, uh, which obviously we didn't get to see against the Browns last week, but the thought was, you know, there's a guy in Green Bay right now, Devontae Adams, who says, you know, not talking extension with the Packers, that uh, he's looking forward to free agency in 2022. I guess I'm, I'm thinking he probably wants to follow Rodgers wherever he may end up 
uh, next season, which is not outrageous. But, you know, you never know. The Bears might pony up for Devontae Adams what they wouldn't pay Allen Robinson. And um, as much as I'd hate to see Allen Robinson go, if the consolation is Devontae Adams, I don't think any Bear fan here would be upset. Devontae Adams on one side, Darnell Mooney on the other, I'll take that all day. But that's the kind, I think that's the kind of thing. Like he would be able to attract top-tier offensive linemen to come to Chicago to be able to block for this kid. See, see what he did last year with this kind of semi, semi-professional offensive line? If we bring in, imagine what we could do with you blocking for us uh, up there. Uh, maybe even be able to sign a top-level uh, left tackle if there is going to be one on the market. Move Tevin Jenkins over to right tackle when he comes back healthy. Uh, next year boom we're good you know find a center in the draft we got uh, we already got white hair and Daniels at the guard spots then we'll have ourselves an offensive line then we'll really have ourselves a football team guys so but um, watching games like the the one that Fields had today where it was kind of a less is more uh, approach only 11 completions but over 200 yards I think four or five plays of 25 yards plus in the passing game today so and those were throws that uh you know Mitch for all his talents and all that he could do that was a serious flaw in his game it's like how many yards how many big plays how many points did we leave on the field because Mitch couldn't make those important deep ball throws those accurate throws that we've seen Justin Fields make already and and that's right there that's you know it's with with Nagy and everything that we've seen from him we, I think we knew all along Trubisky wasn't the problem. He was a problem. And that deep ball accuracy thing was a huge hole uh, in his game. And uh, But looking at what Justin Fields is capable of, if Bill Lazor gets to hang on to the play sheet for the rest of the season and not just until Nagy thinks he can figure it out kind of thing, um, I think we'll, we'll have an offense that can contend with the six tough games that we have ahead after this. So... Um, Bear up to Bill Lazor for putting together a very good uh, offensive game plan or calling a good game because, as Matt Nagy said after the game, it's a, uh, you know, everybody contributes to the game plan, um, which I thought was kind of a petty-ass move on on Nagy's part that uh, while praising Bill Lazor for the game that he called today, he also had to put in there, that it was a you know a collaborative process that everyone contributes to the game plan, which is basically him saying, and I helped too, but you know I want some credit as well. I, I contributed to this game plan. Okay, fine. You, you had to throw it in there. You just had to. It couldn't some, be something you save for something later on or uh, or what have you. No, had to throw it in right there. Bill Lazor did a great job. But we all contributed to giving the game plan set up for, which we do for every single game. Uh huh. So then it would really, even with just you trying to steal Laser's Thunder in that moment, you're really just admitting that you were the problem all along. Because uh, if you're contributing to the game plan and you know getting everything set up for a week to week, and then you give the play call sheet to somebody else, and it looks like a completely different offense out there, what does that say about what your talents were in the play calling genre? They didn't basically exist. So bear up to Bill Lazor. Bear up to Justin Fields. Outstanding. Uh, bear up to David Montgomery. 
Um, 23 carries, 106 yards, had a fantastic game. Two touchdowns, uh, the first two scores of the game. The second one, of course, was my favorite because that's the one where they pushed the pile from about five yards in into the end zone to go up 14 nothing. And like I said, in the keys to the game, you're looking for spark plays that are really going to get the team going, really get the team behind you. When Montgomery crossed the goal line on that play, you could see about three or four guys just in the frame of the shot that we were looking at on the game, screaming, fist pumping, jumping up and down. That's what I was talking about. Sparks like that. I mean, because if that's what's happening on the field, the guys on the sidelines are going nuts uh, as well. Seeing Montgomery push the pile, force their way, impose their will to get into the end zone when basically they were stopped about three, four yards short of the goal line, but because they didn't give up, kept the legs pumping, everybody got behind him, boom, he's in the end zone, 14 to nothing, and we cap off an awesome drive. Number one, that started with Bilal Nichols recovering that weird fumble from uh, Jared Goff. Number two, a 64-yard deep ball from Fields to Mooney to get us down there, and then we finish it off with Montgomery's run as he burrows his way into uh, the end zone. He's, you know, jacked. You see Cole Komet fist pumping and everything like that. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. That's how you get momentum. That's how you get the crowd behind you. That's how you, you, you set a spark. That's how you do it. And I was very happy to see that uh, today. And Montgomery had 106 yards, and he was taken out in the fourth quarter early because of the injury. Uh, it's kind of a bittersweet thing because, you know, you heard Nagy talk about it. Uh, after the the Rams game that, you know, Montgomery had, I think also had 106 yards against the Rams, but we had to abandon the run game because we were so far behind. And in this case, Montgomery could have had more yards. He probably could end up with maybe 30 or so carries to eat up clock and protect the lead uh, that we had. I mean, imagine the yardage he could have had if he'd have been able to finish the game. So that's kind of the bittersweet spin on on Monty going down, but with the time that he did play, which was three quarters and a little and three quarters and change, twenty three carries, hundred six yards, two touchdowns, outstanding effort uh, from him, and uh, also bear up to the offensive line, man. I know we weren't playing the Browns again, but they responded. Nine sacks last week to the Browns, one sack today against the Lions, um, and also you had a one hundred yard rusher. Uh, Damian Williams had, uh, let me see if I can dig that up real quick. Damian Williams had 55 yards on eight carries. So nearly seven yards a carry for, for Williams. You know, you got to love that man. The two primary ball carriers, uh, David Montgomery, 4.6 yards a carry Damian Williams, almost seven at 6.9 yards a carry. That's an outstanding effort. You kept, uh, you kept uh, fields clean and upright so he could scan the field and throw those deep balls, which he is deadly accurate with. I loved what I saw from the O-line today. So bear up to them. Bear up to uh, Juan Castillo um, for getting his guys uh, ready and uh, preparing them to play against Detroit and for them showing up today. They had a lot to answer for last week. Granted, they were put in an awful, awful position by their head coach slash play caller last week, but... You know, the, the, what they suffered through, they shouldn't have had to suffer through for about, say, the last three quarters, or at the very least, the, last, uh, the second half of the game. 
because they were beaten from pillar to post in the first half of that football game, gave up four sacks, and we were still only down, what? It was, what, three to three, six to ten to, ten to three. They scored a touchdown just before halftime. We should have come out with all the adjustments in the world to help that offensive line because it was obvious they weren't going to be able to go five-on-five five, uh, against, the, against the Browns on Sunday. Instead, we leave them on an island. They gave up five more sacks uh, in that football game. So first half, yeah, they played terrible. It was obvious what they were, what they were trying to do uh, wasn't going to work or that we didn't have the horses to run with the thoroughbreds on the other side of the line of scrimmage uh, from us. And we sh- they should have had help in the second half. They should have had help. Uh, and instead, they didn't get the help that they needed, and they were exposed and just bludgeoned to death. So uh, bear up to those guys for coming back and um, contributing to this outstanding offensive uh, performance uh, today. Uh, and then finally, our most valuable bear of the week, Darnell Mooney. The guy just makes plays, man. Just makes plays. Seven catches, 100, uh, excuse me, seven targets, five catches, 125 yards. Really wish that he would have been able to put the uh, cherry on top with a touchdown or something like that. That would have just been like the perfect, uh, well, the cherry on top <laughs> to this little Sunday uh, uh, that he put on, uh, no pun intended. And uh, But just uh, he was outstanding. He was, uh, I think he actually is Justin Fields' favorite target because uh, when those two uh, when those two hook up, it's always uh, – it's always lightning in a bottle, man. It's fantastic. So uh, huge bear up to Darnell Mooney. Uh, just looking fantastic so far in his sophomore season. So no slump from this year or from last year to this year. Um, knock on wood that uh, that holds up. And, uh, you know, we, we, we continue the success as we go forward uh, in 2021. So those are all the bear ups. Let's take a quick break for our sponsor. We'll finish up with the Bear Downs and wrap this thing up. (laughs) This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room, formerly known as the Locker Room app, guys. Spotify Green Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Start or join ongoing conversations. Watch games together. React to the biggest news, rumors, and games. And, of course, I host a weekly show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room. The Bears Talk Underground presents Club 34-7. Be sure and join me. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join into the group. Follow me to be notified when my room goes live. And, of course, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, is when Club 34-7 hits the air. So be sure to join in on the fun, guys. You don't want to miss it. And be sure to follow me on the the app so that you'll know anytime that I go live because we'll be doing watch parties during the preseason. We'll be doing uh, knee-jerk reactions during halftime uh, during the season and things like that. Lots to do. This app opens up so many possibilities for interaction between me and you, my loyal audience. So be sure and download the Spotify Green Room app wherever you get your apps. <laughs> okay, let's wrap this thing up with our uh, Bear Downs. Um, like I said, I only have one 
bear down, and then I kind of have an honorable mention, and we'll talk about that here uh, in just a moment. But the bear down for this week goes to our secondary. Uh, they're still proving to be uh, a liability. Uh, Jared Goff really did not have much trouble finding open places uh, in the zones and, and completing passes and whatnot. Like I said, from the 20 to 20, the Lions were able to move the ball at will. It's just that when they got inside the red zone uh, in the first half, it was those three. There was one really great defense. Well, two, actually. But, the, you know, the, the Lions getting in their own way with that snap into, into Goff's chest that we uh, that Bilal Nichols recovered uh, there that we ended up turning into another touchdown. But um, the fourth down play that uh, Ogletree made an outstanding play, tipping the ball to an otherwise open receiver. That's just bad luck and a great play uh, for the Lions. You can't really fault them for that. But the third one was uh, Penny Sewell got beat off the edge by Robert Quinn, who did the strip sack on Goff that the Bears recovered and went the other way uh, with. But in the second half, but like I said, I mean, you know, what I'm what I'm saying is from the 20 to 20, you know, that we were fine. They were finding plenty of open spots in the secondary, very little in, in the way of contesting uh, balls and things like that. And then in the second half, uh, the same thing. And only they were able to finish drives this time. One time uh, they finally put it in from inside the red zone. And the other time that last touchdown drive was scary because it was way too easy. And it, it kind of gave you a little chill in the spine, maybe thinking that this was the start of you know, Detroit uh, coming back because they've been really good for at least one half in every game so far this year. And obviously they were atrocious in the first half. So here they are with their second half surge here. And they're going to make a football game out of this when it was 24 to seven going into the fourth quarter. I mean, we're already making dinner plans and you know uh, what we're going to do for the, which, 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 uh, which late game do you want to watch? What are we going to eat for the Sunday night game? And you know, that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, the Lions, are, you know, just scored, rattle off two touchdowns there pretty easily, especially the second one. Uh, and like I said, the, the second touchdown looked like, uh, like with ease, like the Rams game. It reminded me of that touchdown pass to Cooper Cup where he was just wide open, catches the ball, and then runs for like 30 yards for a touchdown. And he's still no one in the same time zone uh, as him as he catches that uh as he catches the football. I mean, it was really discouraging to see. That's how easy it was. And the only thing was, it was only a 25-yard play, so we didn't have to deal with the indignity of watching him run the length of the field while nobody chases him, basically. Um, but that's something we got to fix that. Next week against the Raiders, that's that could be a very, very long day for us. I mean, just even if it was just... Uh, Derek Carr throwing the football to Darren Waller over and over again. That outstanding uh, all-pro tight end uh, that they have. The way that, that, that we've been carved up in, in certain spots in games so far uh, this year, it just there's going to be a feast to be had uh, for Carr and company uh, against the secondary uh, next week. And then at, after that, we have the ultimate bear killer in um, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, you think he wouldn't be able to get something going with uh, with Tunyon and Adams and you know all those guys in in the passing game there with the way that our secondary is playing? I'm I'm going to have nightmares about what that Green Bay game is supposed to look like uh, in two weeks. So yeah, we really got to do something with the secondary there because that is a huge, huge problem uh, right now. Now in the first half, 
You know, I don't really fault the secondary wholly in the first half because we weren't getting to the quarterback. Goff had all day to find the football, or excuse me, to 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 find a receiver before getting rid uh, of the football. So it's not completely all on the secondary. But in the second half, we were doing a better job of getting to the quarterback, putting pressure on him, and that's when he was still able to find these huge pockets in the zones for big gains uh, and to put points on the board to make it far more interesting than it should have been uh, in today's game. So really got to shore that up in the secondary. I don't know what it is we need to do different. Uh, I know Tashawn Gibson was out again uh, today, and, and it was Deion Bush that was uh, playing his playing in his spot. And, um, you know, I don't think it was, uh, you know, I think Jalen Johnson was still fine, but because uh, I don't, he didn't really get beat. Well, he, he got beat on one play, but golf overthrew uh, the receiver. So, we, you know, we got lucky on that one. But uh, overall, the secondary, or maybe it's just the safeties, whatever, whoever's covering the middle of the field, which would be your safeties, <laughs> we got to fix that. We absolutely have to fix that because of the schedule we have coming up, the Raiders, the Packers, the Buccaneers, just those three teams right there will tear us to pieces if our secondary continues to be as bad as it's been so far uh, in the first four games. Those guys really got to step it up. Really got to step it up. And then the honorable mention uh, bear down goes to Sean Desai um, because much like how Nagy last week didn't do anything to adjust uh, our offensive line or to help our offensive line or adjust the game plan to obviously try to do something different because what we were trying wasn't working, I don't really feel like Sean Desai did much to counteract the running game early on in the football game. And it's just like the, the, the Lions didn't have as much success running the football in the second half because early on in the second half, they were down 21 to nothing and had to start throwing the football to try to make way uh, and get themselves back into the game. Uh, but in the first half, when it was still a close ball game, a one-score, two-score game, they were running the ball at will, and they were gashing us uh, in the uh, in the running game. I was just looking at the uh, the stats here a moment ago for the uh, for the Lions and their running backs. Um, Jamal Williams was averaging five yards a carry. He had sixty-six yards uh, on fourteen carries. Uh, Deontay Swift also had you know as I also had a decent day running the football. Uh, as well, it's just it was very disconcerting watching them carve us up. Now, granted, we lost Akeem Hicks early on, but there's got to be some way that you can counteract that. Just the same way that Nagy could have kept in tight ends, maybe chip blocks, leave the running back in uh, to help in the second, whatever. You got to do something, and it didn't really appear that you did anything, and we got cut up pretty bad uh, in the uh, in the running game. So hopefully, we get Akeem back. The groin injury is just a. Uh, a one one day thing, one week thing, if you will, and we'll have them healthy against the uh, the Raiders. But just something that I wanted to put out there because uh, we looked, uh, we did not look good against, on the against the run uh, at all. And this is the Lions that we're talking about, a team that historically hasn't been able to run the football since Barry Sanders retired. I mean, it's one of the reasons that Matt Stafford uh, did not have the career that he should have in Detroit for all that he was able to do. They could never run the football, so. That's just uh, something that we need to keep an eye on as we go forward. We got to fix that secondary, and we got to make better adjustments on the defensive side 
Um, because if this game was closer, I think the Lions would have been able to do some more damage in the running game and really make it sting uh, as it went along. So anyway, I think that's going to do it, guys, uh, for Bear Up and Bear Down for week number four. The Bears come away with the victory, 24-14, to 14, to even, this, even the uh, record out at 2-2. Two and two. Uh, We'll come back tomorrow for our deep dive review. We have knee-jerk reactions and everything else. And uh, be sure to come and visit me up on the Spotify Green Room Wednesday nights, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. Come and hang out. Let's talk Bears. Let's talk whatever. You want to talk MCU or Law and Order or Blue Blood? I don't care, man. Let's talk about something because the, the, the name of the show is Bears and Stuff. You want to talk about stuff? Let's talk about stuff. I don't care. Just come on down uh, to the Spotify Green Room. Follow me. Uh, looking for Larry D. D-E-E is what it is. I don't know why they wouldn't let me do D period, but it had to be a word. So it's Larry D-E-E. Follow me on uh, Spotify and uh, we'll let you know. We'll notify you when the show goes live. Come in and hang out for a bit uh, and let's have fun. Uh, Then Thursday, we'll have uh, our boy Q from Locked On Raiders to help us preview Bears Raiders for week number five and just what kind of uh, mass exodus our Bears, because uh, I've been seeing it since the schedule came out, people asking who's going to Vegas. I mean, I saw someone asking today in one of the Facebook groups, uh, what's, a, what's a hangout for, for, the, for the Bears-Raiders game next week? Where's everybody going? You know, that kind of thing. So people, now that this game is officially over, everyone's talking about what's going down next week uh, in Las Vegas. And I wonder if there will be more blue and orange than there is silver and black in the crowd uh, next week. We know they can do it. We know we can do it, but uh, we'll see if we pull it off. So come back tomorrow for the deep dive. Come see me Wednesday on the Spotify Green Room. Come back Thursday for your boy Q Myers from Locked on Raiders to help preview the game. And, of course, the deep dive on Friday. We got you every day this week. We got you covered. So come and hang out with me. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. 
The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.